see everyone. Well, kind of. I was over in the back behind the computers, and I can see that there's people watching online, and, and it looks like we've got a good connection, and things are going really, really well. So I'm excited about that. And so, again, as we look at today, we're going to be covering uh, Palm Sunday. We're going to be celebrating this message and just remembering the time that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Um, So if you will, turn to the Gospel of John chapter 12. We're going to pick up in verse 12 this morning, and I will read those scriptures, and then we'll pray once again, and we'll get right into the Word this morning. And again, just so grateful that you're here, and that you're tuning in to worship with us online this morning. It's not the same, um, but we are making the uh, the best of it, the best we can. So uh, John chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, Now the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, he took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Pray with me, please. And Father, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have. Father, even though that your church is scattered right now across uh, the world, in our state, our country, in their own homes, Father, we thank you that we are not alone that we have something greater that binds us together, even greater than being with one another face to face. And that is the blood of Jesus that makes us one with one another, that that really brings us in and makes us a part of the family of God. And so, Lord, for that, we are grateful. Lord, we are grateful for technology this day as well, that we can still uh, uh, serve you. We can still open your word together and we can still go inside people's homes to be able to bring your word. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that you would help us with distractions right now and that you would grab our attentions as as we look towards you, Jesus. Lord, speak to us through your word and I pray, God, that you would empower me and enable me to bring your word with power and authority and with truth this morning. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we look at this gospel for Palm Sunday, right, by this time in our narrative, people were anxious for victory, right? They were tired of the oppression and and they were tired of being told what to do um, and when to do it, right? They were overwhelmed with taxes and and there was uh, that nagging feeling, and then I get feeling that there was people like watching them, right? The authorities. I think, again, uh, again, it's such a great program. If you watch The Chosen, 
uh, you really, the, the, the creators of that show really do a great job of just exploring what the culture was in the time of Jesus. I mean, you really get an inside view, again, both on historical accounts plus of obviously the gospel narratives that show why you know, Levi, the tax collector, or Matthew, as you, you would know him, uh, why he was so hated by the people. You can see just the rule uh, of Rome and how they just had their hand on the people. And you get the, 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 the oppression and just kind of the, the stuffiness that was happening to the people and why they were so ready and longing for a savior. Right? They were tired of this whole thing of being monitored, how they could worship their God. I mean, like me and you, they wanted to be free, free to worship, free from tyranny, right? Wait, was I talking about the time of Jesus or our time right now? I mean, it definitely feels like that right now, right? They wanted to be free. And in our country, it definitely feels like that, doesn't it? It feels that, I think, for, in a very small way, we're feeling that, that sense of, of just this oversight over us that really hinders us from doing what we want to do or what we've grown accustomed to do. But you know what? The reality is it's not a new thing. I think King Solomon said it best in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9. Look what he says there. He says, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Now, don't get me wrong, certainly uh, our circumstances might be a little bit different. But I think that same idea of fear, uh, of when things are shaken up, and all the things, again, as I said, we're, we're just so used to doing uh, um, life in the way we want to, when we want to. All those things are kind of stripped away, if you will. It was stripped away for the children of Israel, no doubt. I mean, God's calling on their lives was to be a city on a hill, to be a light to their surrounding communities, to be a light to uh, uh, the, the, the different nations that were around them. And yet all those things, because of what was going on with Rome and in the time of Jesus, all those things really came to a halt, so to speak. In many ways, just like things have come to a, to a standstill here for us as well. They were oppressed and depressed like many of us. And the glory and the freedom of the former days for them had passed. And just like many of us, we're feeling that right now. And just like them, and I think like us as well, the thought is, well, man, if we had a different leader, if we had someone else to come and lead and to take over, you know, our country or even in that, that, that nation during that time, you know, we have that mindset. We think, man, if just someone else was at the helm, things would really start to progress forward. They would maybe become, there would, would be an end in sight to this crisis. Again, it's, it's the same that they're feeling as well. Even just like us today, how we're feeling that same weight, if you will. And, and here's, here's the reality. I mean, I think those thoughts might be partly true. But the reality is we need victory. We need victory right now. We need triumph right now. But not in the way they were thinking or the way you're thinking. Not in the way they had, had put hope in a person, the way we might be doing that today. In a human person, if you will. Today is Palm Sunday. 
or some may call it the triumphal entry. It's a reminder to us that no matter what our current circumstance is, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Right? And right there in that moment, historically speaking, and right now it's true for us today, that was the beginning of total victory, or what we would call the triumph. Now, today, 2020, Palm Sunday, obviously is different, isn't it? It's feeling different. But I really believe today we need to be reminded that although we might not be together in person this morning in this room or in whatever place you normally go and worship at, you have to understand that because of the triumphal entry, because of the triumph of who Jesus is, you are not alone. You're not. And this morning there are three things that we need to be reminded of as we look at this gospel section Uh, of, of the triumphal entry of Jesus. And there's three things. One, man, the king is here. The king is here. Two, fear not. Fear not. And number three, man, like never before, we need a triumph. We need a triumph. And so as we look first, look at the first two verses in our text. John chapter 12, verse 12. Look what he says. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now if you notice, some of the other Gospels have, have some of this a little bit backwards, but I really like how John is really highlighting this thing because there's some really cool things in here. First, it starts off with verse 12, on the next day or the next day. Now, to give you context of what that next day means, you know, this comes right after the anointing of Bethany. If you, many of you might remember that in the Gospels, this is a time where, where Jesus had come to the house of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus being the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. Remember, Jesus, as he began his earthly ministry, uh, began to develop some friendships with some people. He had a close group of people, and one of those persons was Lazarus. And you remember at one point, as he was on the road ministering there, um, he got news that his friend Lazarus had died. Now, many of the people were very fearful of this fact, But Jesus, knowing that to get to Lazarus' house would be two days to get there by, by foot, waited two days even before he began. But as we look at that text, we realize just the power of Jesus and, and the beginning of Jesus is really coming out into the public sphere like never before. And that he would go to see his friend Lazarus. And as he got to the village where he lived. And, and as he was about to go meet with the family. Remember Mary came to him. was like, Jesus, if you had been here earlier, my brother would, would live. You know, and, and, and that one famous verse, it's just like two words. It says that Jesus wept. And yet, Jesus told her, look, he's going to live again. And she's like, oh, I know, Lord, in the resurrection, da, da, da. No, no, no. He will live. And you remember that famous spot in the Gospels where he looks to the tomb where they had laid Lazarus and he says it by name, Lazarus, come forth. And in that moment, Lazarus comes back from the dead. And not just stinky dead. We're not talking like walking dead status. We're talking made new, totally whole, resurrected from the dead without any pain of death attached to Lazarus. 
He had victory. And it was because of this that, that as he was there, once again, dining, the day before he would ride into uh, Jerusalem, he was there in Bethany dining with these people, that they were excited. Oh, look at Jesus feasting with this man Lazarus, whom he had healed, whom he had healed of the curse of death. And so Martha served in that little setting. But then we also have Mary in another beautiful display of just worship and devotion. She grabs this really costly uh, uh, jar of spikenard oil, which was about a year's worth of wages for a worker there. Just kind of a, you know, uh, just kind of hands to, you know, uh, fist kind of working kind of guy, right? Just the common guy. A year's worth of his wages. And she took that oil and she anointed his feet and, she, and then she, she, again, just in another act of devotion, then with her hair, begins to wipe the feet of Jesus. It's this beautiful picture of just love and devotion. Now, when this happened, it was six days before the Passover when this happened. And so when, when John says it here in verse 12, the next day he's referencing that time where Jesus sat with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and little did they know, was preparing him for his death and his burial. It's a beautiful picture. Now here's the deal. Here's what's significant about those words the next day. Why this is so important. That Jesus on this day would ride into Jerusalem. Right? Because this day was also the 10th day of the Jewish month of Nisan. Or Nisan, right? This would be when the, the Pascal lamb was set apart to be kept until the 14th day of that same month when they would then take that lamb and the whole congregation of Israel would gather together and they would kill that lamb in preparation for the Passover. To celebrate. To look back to that time in Egypt when God came down and rescued His people from Israel. I mean, rescued His people from Egypt, excuse me. And how the angel of the Lord would descend there into Egypt. And as, and as he went through Egypt, every time uh, they came to the children of Israel, they had marked their doorposts with the blood of the Lamb. And when the angel would come down, he would pass over their home. This was a homage to that. This was a celebration, a remembrance. Now think about that a second. Here is Jesus, as John would say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here is Jesus coming in on that very day that they would be getting together to, 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 to set apart that Pascal Lamb, if you will. Now it's exciting. And I want you to think about that thought and then also look at the crowds there. It says that when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, right, the great multitudes gathered together and they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him and they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right, the king of Israel. Basically what they were saying was, save us, we beseech thee. It comes from Psalm 118, verse 25, and it was a messianic psalm, uh, one that, that later on, as we find out in a second, the writers of the gospel would put it together. But they cried out because of all that was going on, because of their suffering, because of just the overarching hand or overarching hand of Rome upon them. They were crying out, save us. And maybe this morning, 
Maybe you're, you're one like me. I, I definitely have spent multiple times this past week in my office and in my house just crying out to the Lord. You know, save us, Lord. Man, heal us from all this stuff that's going on. But it's not just this pandemic. But I think all of us in this moment, too, we have friends and family that we're praying for, that we care about. And maybe at some point in your life, maybe you're at home and you're just, it's a Sunday morning and you've got the bottle open and you're just chugging it down. And it sounds weird, right? You're like getting buzzed while you're watching church online. But deep down in you, in that quiet place that nobody else sees, I think deep down you're saying the same thing as these people said over 2,000 years ago. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save me. That's what they cried out. Just like they did in Egypt when they were trapped. And when they were trapped by the rule of Egypt even then. And God brought that judgment and spared them and saved them. Now again, I'm not saying that the virus is God's judgment or anything. But I am saying that we might feel like Israel in this time right now. Waiting for this pestilence to be over. Because here's the deal. Sin was here way before this pestilence ever came into the picture. We live in a fallen world. And many of us are feeling the effects of that fallen world. And so we too are crying out, save, save us, Hosanna. But again, here's the good news. We don't have to shelter without hope. Here's what the children of Israel didn't understand. Look what John wrote in his gospel. The king of Israel. In other words, the king is here and he would not be like earthly kings they were used to. See, all of us, we're looking for leadership, so to speak, in our country. And many of us might even be disagreeing with our current leadership. But here's the reality Hope is not found in an earthly king. Or even I as your pastor. I I can't give you hope. But there is one who can. The king of Israel. Now here's where it gets crazy. And he would not be, as I said, like these earthly kings. Because here is the reality of the gospel. Here is the power of 2,000 years later. Jesus is the Paschal Lamb. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul the Apostle, right, makes this connection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, look what he says. And it's almost like maybe even a reference to our message from last Sunday. You know, we are at the, this crossroads in our life. We are definitely going through some heavy stuff, no doubt. And we're feeling the effects of, of our country and the state and the communities and cities that you're living in. But here for us as followers of Jesus, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, but here is the crossroads for you, the the, the word from the Lord to you this morning. Look what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven. Now's the time to kind of let go of the past. Now's the time to let go of that bottle. Now's the time to let go to our old habits the old way of doing things. Man, we held so tightly onto things that we thought would give us hope. And maybe you even like 
will say like, well, I've come to Jesus and it just didn't work. <laughs> Man, coming to Jesus is not a formula. It's not like this prayer you say and all of a sudden it's like you've said this prayer and now that prayer turns into a little uh, rabbit's foot that you stick in your pocket. Paul says here, Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, our Passover, you could say our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. There's the word for us. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. See, this king would free us. And he has freed us. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, He is the king who came, the king of Israel. The king has come and he has freed us. That's why we may be at home right now, but we are not alone because the king has come. Look at the second thing here that I believe is a word for us today as well. In verse 14, for the second point, fear not. He says, Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, he sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. It clicked for them. And yet here is the scene of Jesus riding on the back of this donkey. And you know, um, it, it is really, truly one of my favorite memories to this day of our trip to Israel. Gosh, now it's been almost three years ago that we did this. Um, but I can still remember it really clearly. You know, our group was up. We, we walked up the Mount of Olives coming up from Jerusalem. And we, you know, now it's a busy road. But I remember taking that road up. I was just like, you know, some people took a cab, but for me, I was like, man, I want to walk this thing. It was, maybe I should have taken a cab, but we walked up this hill and we got to the top there to this like, kind of like site. It's right above, they have this, this big cemetery now, but as you're at the top over this cemetery, they have these viewing platforms where you can look down into the city of Jerusalem and you can see the dome of the mountain in the background and you can see almost the entire wall uh, I guess that would be the, the east side of the wall, the, the west, the, the wailing walls on the west side. This would be the east side, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm trying to remember off of memory. But, but nonetheless, you're looking at this wall and you can see to this day the gate called Beautiful. Today, now, it's blocked off and there's, there's this grave site right, above, right in front of that. But this gate called Beautiful would have been the gate where Jesus would descend down the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem on this day, riding on the back of the donkey. And I remember just looking over this scene and just looking down at this and just, you know, my imagination just kind of running wild a little bit and just trying to remember what it would have been like for Jesus to to be on this donkey, just going down, making his way into Jerusalem. And I think of the crowds there yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it just strikes me as I think about that because here, this is after Jesus had spent that night in the garden crying out great drops of blood. And as you think about that, you really can see and think of the passion of Jesus to do what the Father had called him to do. The agony of the garden. 
riding on an animal that often is portrayed as stubborn, right? I mean, we've all seen these movies and cartoons where the donkey sits and he's not moving anywhere. But on this day, just by reading the scriptures, you can tell that this animal was riding and carrying his rider down into Jerusalem where he would meet his fate, right? There's no turning back. And yet we see this beautiful symbolism there as a new kingdom was at hand. The kingdom of heaven and earth, right? It's establishment about to collide as the son of man, the son of God, right? Ready to lay himself down and to give his life a ransom. He's not like other kings. You see, other kings, when they're riding into Jerusalem, when they're riding into their cities of capture, right? They're riding as a king who's about to set up a new kingdom with triumph. But they're riding on the back of a steed, a stallion, ready to do battle. And yet our Jesus, our Savior, came riding lowly, humbly, as people would lay down these palm branches, these basically like mats or woven into mats, as they would lay down their clothes and their mats, and and they would usher in not truly realizing what they were in for, not knowing that this kingdom would be established not as one who's coming fiercely, ready to fight. Now, don't get me wrong, that day will come. We are promised that there will be a day when Jesus will be riding on the back of a horse and on the side of his thigh will be written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But on this day, to make that day happen, he had to ride the back of a donkey and was was riding that donkey knowing not only was it fulfilling Scripture, right? You can reference Zechariah 9.9, but it was to fulfill thousands and thousands of years of prophecy that this is how the kingdom of God would be established and that the Son of Man would become that sacrificial lamb. And so as Jesus rides in that donkey, look at those two words. And I think again, once again, it's a word for us. Fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid, Israel. And I would say, don't be afraid, Friday Harbor. Don't be afraid, We have our Savior. We have our Lamb to look forward to. And right now, really, He was prepping them for what was about to come. Right? The brutal death and crucifixion of their Savior. A word for the followers of Jesus today, right now, fear not. Fear not. Remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy? It was one of our very first messages on this COVID Sunday, if you will. But man, I don't even want to link it to that. But Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear not. Right here in verse 16, in that moment, the disciples didn't get it. It wasn't until after the resurrection. But for us, we don't have to fear because the resurrection has happened. Next week, we're going to celebrate Easter, right? The resurrection. We have over 2,000 years of proof that that the tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty. And so because the tomb was empty, because the resurrection was real, and because the resurrection of Jesus shows that, yes, there was a time when our Savior rode on a donkey. Once again, there will be a time when our Savior rides on a horse. And our future is certain. And we can hope because our hope is alive. 
And so we can say boldly, even in the face of danger, even in the face of suffering and heartache and confusion, fear not. Because it's not just me, Pastor Joe, saying, hey, don't fear. Or your neighbor saying, hey, don't be afraid, don't be scared. No, we can boldly say that because that comes from one who conquered sin and death and sickness and disease. Fear not. And so guys, man, we need to triumph. We need to triumph. Spiritually speaking in our lives today, we need a triumph. Look at the next thing. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign, what, of raising Lazarus from the dead. And the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing, right? They're they're blaming each other. They're getting mad at each other. Look, the world has gone after him. See, there was hope. The people who saw Lazarus come out of the grave were at the resurrection, They were witness to this very fact. That's why John would write later on, man, they bore witness to this thing, that this wasn't some weird happenstance. This was the resurrection of Jesus. He gave us a preview of his power in Lazarus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 8, look look what, what Paul writes on this subject here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I'll read that to you. Look at this. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and here it is, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, the twelve apostles, After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the great part remained to the present, but some had fallen asleep. In other words, there are people among us, right, Paul is saying, that were there when Jesus was resurrected. The Pharisees, man, they're freaking out. And it drove them nuts with jealousy and angst against Jesus. And they told themselves, man, you see that you're accomplishing nothing, but look, their fear Look, the world has gone after him. And the gospel spread like wildfire from that point on. You know, today, right now, as of 2015, I know today's 2020, but five years ago, according to an online Christian article, Christian magazine that that prints online, they estimated that in 2015, there are over 2.3 billion Christians today in the U.S. I mean, today in the world. In the U.S. alone, as of 2010, there was over 247 million believers, followers of Jesus in 2010. Now, I do want to make this distinction. Now, whether they are truly followers of Jesus or not, man, that's up to the Lord. But here's the deal. It's not over yet. In many ways, it's just the beginning. Whether we believe that COVID-19 is real or it's a conspiracy plan or, or, or really it's just a result of a fallen world, the reality is God allowed it. It's here. It's among us. Whether we like it or not, the suffering is real. Job unemployment is real. I know people personally have been affected by this thing. 
But this I know even more and even better. The king is here. Fear not. Man, we need a triumph. I want to read to you real quickly before we end here from Esther chapter 4 verse 14. If you remember the story of Esther, uh, not once really is it mentioned of God in that story. But yet you can see the hand of God on the nation of Israel and how once again God swooped in not just to rescue them, but to lift up this one young lady, to lift up this one gal who God would use to save a nation. Now, I really believe for us as followers of Jesus today that even despite our circumstances of fear, I really believe more than ever before God has given each and every one of you a platform to share the love of Jesus. Can I challenge you today before I read this verse and I'll tell you why it's so important. This coming week, maybe even beginning tonight all the way through Resurrection Sunday, Men, join us in spreading the gospel. Take a one or two minute video of yourself and just declare to the world from your own home how Jesus grabbed a hold of you. Share how this resurrected king took you, who as the song, right, Amazing Grace took a wretch like you and rescued you out of the depths of hell and made you new. Man, if we do that, we can take advantage of this time to share the gospel. And here's what I would say. Do two things. One, use the hashtag, I am made new. Hashtag, I am made new. And then tag our church at Calvary San Juan Island or Calvary San Juan. Tag us and let us spread that message. Now, again, this is not an idea that Pastor Joe made. Some other pastor friends made this up and they're doing it and they're sharing it. But man, what an opportunity, and here's why. Look what the verse says in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. To followers of Jesus and non-followers, this is for you. Spiritually speaking, here's what it says. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews. In parentheses, you could put the world, America, our state, our island, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our community... Help will arise from another place, but you and your father's house will perish, spiritually speaking. I mean, it's so important for the life of the, in the life of a believer to share the good news of what Jesus has done for you. And here's the key voice. Here's the key verse. And I would say voice of the Spirit of God. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Who knows that God set you apart for this time and in this day and in the middle of fear, of confusion, of people freaking out that God can use you right now in the middle of all this because of the great triumph of Jesus to share the reality of who Jesus is. Man, we need a triumph. And the triumph is here 2 Corinthians 5.20, in closing. Now when we, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, the triumphal entry points to the final entry of Christ's life on earth and the beginning of the kingdom of heaven and earth. And it continues today and through, through all eternity based on what Jesus has done for us. And man, in this moment, we're, we're going to get ready for communion and the guys are up here and they're ready. They're going to lead us in this song right now uh, here in a few, in, in a few seconds. And, and as they're doing that, as they're singing this song, Yes, worship alongside us. Worship with us. But here's what I would say to you this morning. If you, where you're at, in your living room, in your car, in your kitchen, close your eyes and take this moment. And I would just say, from me as God's servant to you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Triumph can happen in your life, but you got to come to Jesus. Today's a day to stop running. Today's a day to, to, top, to stop saying that, you know, tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll turn over a new leaf, or tomorrow I'm going to quit this, I'm going to quit that. You know, don't worry about any of that stuff. Paul said, Today is the day of salvation. And it's really simple. You can say this Dear Jesus, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner and I thank you that you came down to rescue me. That when you died on that cross and paid for the sins of humanity, it wasn't just for the sins of the world of humanity, but you were dying on the cross for me. And just like God raised Jesus to new life, God, would you raise me to new life today? Would you give me a do-over? The Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Just cry out to Jesus. And I guarantee you that when you do that, and you are really real with the Lord Jesus, in that moment, then you can finally say, God, forgive me. Man, I am a sinner. God, take this stuff away. Because the only way you're going to have victory over that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, we need a triumph today. And I'm telling you, today, today is a day for triumph because of who Jesus is. Let's pray and let's get ready for communion. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to come and to rescue us, Lord. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning out there in cyberspace who's watching, who's listening, whether it's today or a couple days from now, I pray that right now, Lord, you would meet them right where they're at, God. That you would come in and rescue them. And that promise that Paul made by inspiration of the Holy Spirit would come true today. If any man is in Christ, any woman is in Christ, behold, today they are a brand new creation. Be old, all things have passed away. The old is gone, and all things are made new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.